This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Tim Prady will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today is January 31st. We're wrapping up the month. The S&P is up a little over 5%. Uh, right now, it's up a little under a point today. So this is really ending the best month since 2019. That was the best, Jan- the best January since 2019. We've started off with earnings season. Microsoft had uh, some weak numbers last week uh, in terms of Azure. Uh, GM's posted some strong numbers today. So that's all kind of coming to fruition. Tim, what are your thoughts so far as we close out January? Well, I mean, for one is you always get the biggest rips in the bear market rallies, right? It's these counter trend rips where everybody is positioned um, more conservatively or, with, or or where you have a big short tilt. If you look at the quality of, of what's ripped most, it's the lowest quality names. It's that Goldman Sachs high, sh- high short interest basket uh, that have ripped the most. But by the same token, like I said last week, you know, credible economists, credible people who had a more negative thesis are starting to uh, get less bullish. Larry Summers had the comment last week that, you know, a soft landing is the triumph of hope over experience. But then he goes, and sometimes hope does overcome experience. So basically saying that I could be wrong here. Um, My view is kind of unchanged uh, that the leading economic indicators housing, uh, liquidity are all really telling and are really telling you the same story, which is that, yeah, we've held up. We just put two and a half percent GDP up, uh, but I don't buy the whole immaculate disinflation thesis. That really is to believe in a soft landing. You have to believe that we could take wage pressure way down without taking unemployment up. And I just don't see that as credible. Uh, I think that you are seeing the reason why you've seen wage pressure come under as much pressure as you have is because right now we are starting to slow and I think we're starting to slow precipitously. You know, again, it's it's that HOPE acronym. Michael Kantrowitz's HOPE acronym. Housing is what goes first. That's in a recession. You have negative pricing and you have stagnant turnover. Orders. ISMs are negative both on the manufacturing side and on the service side, new orders are getting really weak. The next thing is profits and then finally employment. And I think you are starting to see weaker guidance and that I think will filter through more. Uh, But this narrative change, you know, it's very hard to trade around it. What is going to matter more? Is it going to be the slowing of the economy? Ultimately, that's going to matter. But for now, there just seems to be so much happiness that we look like we are getting disinflation without seeing obvious signs that we're falling into a recession. Yeah, I mean, Europe's GDP numbers were actually stronger than was expected to come in. In terms of inflation as we stand right now, I mean, there's some things that have definitely become disinflationary and have gone down, but some price increases are still eye-popping. I mean, we're looking at things like eggs and that kind of thing, but obviously those are all very seasonal-based and got avian flu, you know, it can spike 20% on a year-to-year, but there's there's definitely some items that that will be um, expensive in the longer term as others start to cool off. Yeah, I mean, just walk through a supermarket. 
Uh, it really is extraordinary how much food inflation there is. And the CPG companies, the consumer packaged good companies, still have price increases scheduled. I was talking to a friend of mine who works for a big global uh, food company. And I said, are you guys still able to push through pricing? And he said, we're getting more pushback now than we had been. We're going to we'll still get through a lot of our pricing, but we'll have to discount some of that back. And ultimately, they'll meet in the middle with the Walmarts and the and the other kind of big, large grocers in the world. Autos prices have moved way up and just the cost of ownership on the auto side has moved way up uh, when you just consider that, you know, interest rates have moved up so much. You know, monthly payments are much, much higher on the auto side and that's putting a lot of strain on consumers. Yeah, and you also have the situation, especially like restaurants and airlines um, in particular, you got to decide whether to pass on price cuts or you got to <laughs> want to decide, do I want to impress investors with improved profit margins? So, you know, when we're earnings season, like companies like those have that decision to make as well. Yeah, everybody's got to make that decision all the time. Do I want to focus more on share or do I want to focus more on profits? We'll see what happens on the auto side, on the electric car side with you know, GM had that commentary today that they're okay with where pricing is. And there was some expectation that they were going to cut some pricing, as mm -hmm. Ford did with the Mach-E, uh, to counter a lot of the pricing cuts that Tesla has taken. So right now we're in a situation, uh, once again, we find ourselves with the debt ceiling. Um, so right now, I mean, the Fed, the Fed has spoken at length that you're actually going to need you know the White House and 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 the Congress to get its act together in sure. order to offset a lot of these problems. Uh, the Fed can't do everything. Kevin McCarthy has right now stated that they don't envision cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, the two other items of the docket are whether we increase the spending on the IRS and obviously the DOD budget, which. Um, you know, has filled several audits in the past, and McCarthy seemed open to suggestions on ways to cut the military. But, uh, there's, you know, it's a lot to play out, and obviously the ramifications are huge. Um, you know, we, we yeah. had a credit downgrade under the Obama administration. Something very similar could happen this time around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. I mean, the Biden administration is basically saying, show us the budget that you want us to go with. In other words, put your cards on the table. And I think that's a difficult decision uh, for Republicans. Not every Republican is in a district where you could only lose if if it came from from your right flank. If you could only be, you know, your only risk is in the primary. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, so uh, you know, I would have liked to have believed that the Democrats and and more moderate Republicans worked could work together, and then you could end around the Speaker. But that doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, and, you know, there was a great piece the other day in The Times uh, where Getz had this quote. There was this uh, quote of Getz to McCarthy where McCarthy got the list of demands from Getz and he said, so I guess you just want to be speaker. And Getz goes, no, you can keep the portrait. Yeah, so you, you can have the speaker's portrait. And so and basically McCarthy gave in to everything that Getz wanted. And, you know, Getz is a safe Republican. And mm -hmm. if he is going to be the one calling the shots here, then I have to think that you're going to, you know, you could really go down to the wire and we are not going to know come May, June, July, 
exactly what we're going to do. I, ultimately, I, I think the Democrats, I mean, I'm always on the side of, hey, let's actually try to govern instead of using governing for political purposes, like crazy idea. Uh, so I think the Democrats should, instead of just trying to give the Republicans rope to hang themselves, I think the, the Democrats really should negotiate. The fact is, is we are going to have a problem looking out 10 years and less uh, with Social Security and Medicare and the solvency of those programs. The rate of change of growth probably does have to change. And as you and I were talking about earlier, that does have implications for how people have to think about savings right mm-hmm. if, if 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 the rate of change of social security is going to be meaningfully less than real inflation well all of a sudden you got to think differently about how you need to save for retirement yeah it was certainly gave me more emphasis on that triangle that was at one point public pension social security and then private savings that change mm-hmm. is going to be even more rapid as we're looking at increasing ages um yeah. i mean there's other more progressive items that have been advocated on social security too, such as, uh, you know, FICA taxing and everything else for higher income earners. But, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think for everyone, all these different parties to negotiate gets got a lot of concessions, 15 rounds of voting later. Uh, I mean, at one point he was writing to people saying that Kevin McCarthy was a squatter temporarily. (laughs) So (laughs) now they're working in close proximity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they can do with the Biden White House. But obviously, ramifications would be massive if, if we do in default or even if you get up to the wire, it gets spooky, uh, scares credit markets, scares equity markets, and then, you know, can result in a downgrade. Look, just, we are yeah. the global reserve currency and we're yeah. the global reserve currency because this is where you want to park your assets. You don't just buy the dollar, own the dollar. You buy the dollar and then put your assets and treasuries and real estate and whatever other U.S. assets. We cannot afford to lose credibility. Um, And I I just politicians really need to keep that in mind, uh, that the credibility is everything. That's all you have in a fiat currency system. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's kind of talk about, you know, broader global markets. Uh, China's reopened. Um, you know, as a result, we saw an increase in GDP and, and Europe just has recently as well. Um, so a lot of of these numbers coming out of the frontier markets and everything else seems to be a little bit stronger than we've expected. Well, I mean, uh, Europe is still running around flat. I mean, Germany just had a retail sales like down five. I think I, I think Europe is still slowly making their way towards what will be negative real GDP and increasingly small uh, or, 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 or decreasing nominal growth. So I think the trend is still the same. I just think the rate of change to get there has been slower than people thought. I, and I think that's the same thing for the United States. The China reopen is interesting. I mean, the, the they are injecting a tremendous amount of liquidity. It sounds like, you know, that J curve we're starting to grow. You see Macau traffic starting to pick up. I saw McDonald's reported this morning. Comps are still negative for McDonald's in China, which was kind of surprising. Uh, So there's all these hard things to measure. First of all, because not all the data is is all that straightforward, but there's a lot of conflicting data. Exports from their Asian trade partners uh, is still very negative. Um, And, and, you know, you've got got the, the two factors. You've got the pent up savings 
and you know people just wanting to get out and move in China, and then you still have the overhang of a massive real estate bubble that is in the middle of imploding. And there is so much wealth wrapped up in real estate, especially in these tier two and tier three cities where you have hugely high vacancy rates um, and you know, you're gonna have meaningfully negative prices probably for a while. There's only so much you can do when you inject liquidity to change the mindset of housing. There is no better usage of the term pushing on a string in, 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 in terms of trying to revive a housing market when confidence has been lost. When the greater fool theory is gone and you know there's nothing there to revive you to incentivize you incentivize you to want to buy an apartment so those are the two factors and i really i i have to say that i have no idea how china plays out i don't think anybody else does either no i i mean despite covid and everything over the past three years you know, they had an average of 4.5% GDP and 2021 roll around and they hit 18.6% of the world's total economy. So, uh, yes, they were somewhat resilient. COVID was awful. Uh, we, we mentioned, though, I mean, how much how much do you trust different numbers coming out of the CCP and everything else? But uh, yeah. clearly, clearly things are trending in the right direction with, yeah. with the reopening. Yeah. Yeah, for now, but we'll yep. see. There's going to be there's a lot of data that's going to come, and I still think that uh, the implosion of the property market is going to matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, don't necessarily want to be long Evergrande still. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, everything's um, got a price. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think, Jim? We overlook anything this week? I think we just want to stay focused on earnings. You know, it'll be interesting to me, you know, in this big, what I think is a bear market rally, could be wrong, could be the start of a new bear market. It's been driven very much by multiple expansion. And you've got multiple expansion of growth companies that have decelerating growth. You know, you, you mentioned Microsoft, where Azure is slowing and it's meaningfully slowing. We'll get, we'll get Amazon tonight, and my guess is you'll see the same from AWS where the rate of growth, where the rate of change of growth is slowing. Uh, and longer term, you shouldn't expect to see multiple expansion from growth companies that have decelerating growth. That's what Valen Slotnikov uh, always called growth purgatory. And you get long, hard, multiple contraction when you're a growth company that all of a sudden is a cost-cutting story and you're not as much a growth, you know, not as much a growth story. The ability to extrapolate accelerating growth is what drives big high multiples. When that changes and growth is decelerating, multiples contract. And I don't know if that's going to play out over the next month, but that's going to play out over the next year or two, I can promise you. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, and you've even seen companies like, you know, Pfizer's 2022 revenue uh, hit a record $100 billion. I think healthcare services obviously make up a large um, percentage of the U.S. economy, and all that's going to slow down considerably now that we're in a post-pandemic environment, too, coming into 2023. Uh, I don't know if it happened or if it's about to happen. I just saw the headlines, but um, looks like the Biden administration's right changing the status of the emergency and everything right. else. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Biden, I mean, Biden, uh, Pfizer's had such a massive revenue tailwind uh, from 
from obviously having the the COVID vaccines. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the cash. You know, biotech is usually where that cash goes. Drug companies, they always have to fuel growth, just like oil companies have to invest in resources in order to grow in the future. Drug companies are always facing cliffs. The drugs that they buy and they innovate hit cliffs, they hit, you know, uh, uh, generic cliffs and, and, and the revenues fall. So they always have to be buying new drugs. So I keep waiting for a round of M&A where the drug companies start buying up biotechs that, you know, have, have had a really, really difficult sort of year-long stretch here. Hasn't really happened yet. It will at some point. Yeah, and, and just recently, too, there's been a lot of advancement in terms of vaccination for cancers, uh, specifically breast cancer. Uh, you know, and then there's you know a lot of interesting stuff coming out of regeneration of organs and everything else. It's just been years of build up, and now it seems like there's going to be a lot of M&A associated with that, and things are growing exponentially um, yeah. after, you know, years of hearing the yeah. same thing right but yeah if no, you're thanks. a biotech if you're a biotech with an interesting oncology franchise um you know there are going to be bids out there from the big pharma companies who want to commercialize those drugs absolutely all right sounds good tim um for all our listeners and subscribers you know thanks and uh, we'll be back next week um be off in two weeks from now, right? It was BISA kind of towards the, we'll take a week off uh, yeah, here towards yeah. the end of the month. Yeah. But but yeah, for the next couple of weeks, we'll be uh, business as usual. So until next time. Thank you, Drew. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WellFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WellFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.